The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. I hope your Saturday night is oh so bright and fine. It's a beautiful summer, indeed. Uh, markets flirting with all-time highs. Earnings coming out well ahead of expectations. 88% of companies that have reported earnings have beaten expectations. Uh, it's ironic. Uh, many of those companies are uh, uh, selling on the news, uh, but then they tend to snap right back. Uh, Robinhood uh, going public this week, uh, debuting at $35. Interesting because it traded flat for a couple of days, and then Poppy Poo uh, on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, up some what, 50%. Uh, interesting, interesting. And I don't even know how the company makes money. I don't get it. Uh, but maybe my good friend Tony Dwyer does get it. Uh, he's a Wall Street veteran. Uh, he is the head of the U.S. Macro Group and our chief market strategist. Uh, he serves as Canaccord's uh, head of the U.S. Macro Group, uh, sits on the firm's uh, U.S. Operating Committee, 30 years of experience, corporate to individual investors. Uh, he knows it all, frequently seen on CNBC, Bloomberg, and soon to catch a flight. Uh, first of all, I wish you a safe flight. Tony, here's one for you. T to make money, you, you do have to be an optimist. And uh, after the markets have runs, like the current market has had, you, you start to get some pessimist feedback coming out, i.e. is the market expensive? Has it run too far? Should we raise some cash? Are we getting set up for a crash? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, again, Tony Dwyer uh, works with data, um, best known for his uh, practical application of macroeconomics and tactical market indicators in assisting institutional investors. That's right, the big boys and girls in making intermediate term investment and spending decisions. It's a delight to have you back on the show, Tony. A big intro I gave you there, my friend. But uh, please speak to uh, the introduction. Tell us what, what do you see, uh, you know, on deck for the market for the next few months, taking us into the back-to-school period, which is usually a scary period in the market, September and October. Well, I, you know, to, to mention something, thanks for having me, Wolfie and Jack. Uh, just uh, something to kind of follow up on what you said, to make money, you have to be an optimist. I think you have to be a practical optimist. And I think that when we talk about the market, we have to define what market we're talking about. So if you look at the S&P 500, uh, or the NASDAQ composite, we are within earshot, maybe even making an all-time high as we as we tape this. The, the thing that's the most interesting to me is if you look at the NASDAQ composite internals, there's, you know, there's something that people like track in 50-day moving average. One of the 10-day the average is very short-term. You know, it's more for traders. The 50-day moving average is more for investors. It's an intermediate indicator. Only 29% less than a composite is trading above their term or 50-day moving average. Only 50%, that's actually 55% of the S&P 100 is. So we markets are making or near an all-time high. The majority of stocks within them are below their intermediate averages, suggesting a lot of weakness underneath the surface. So back to your question, Wolfie, I'm, next few months look like i think when we 
people worry about a correction. We've really been in one since May. Remember in May, the NASDAQ went down almost 10%. If you look at the banks currently, the biggest banks in the U.S. are down between 15 and 20%. So a lot of the market's already correcting and setting the stage, in our opinion, for a pretty good year-end run once we get through this, what I've called the summer of indigestion. Well, our next guest, Don Velo, he, he's a, a seasonal um, expert, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Um, he, he, I think okay. he's... I think he's going to lean towards a perhaps three to five percent correction uh, between September and October. That's again his, his guesstimate. Uh, then set the stage for a year-end rally. Um, so I'm sort of in that in that camp as well. As the market has grinded higher, and you spoke about the internals um, giving us various uh, indications, uh, and certainly the mega cap stocks have been leading. We've seen the small cap stocks lagging the market perhaps getting a bit of a bid once again. Um, Tony, the, the one concern that we all seem to be speaking about, and it comes up periodically, is just the amount of leverage in the system. And if they take the punch bowl away, uh, you know, that could perhaps trigger a pretty uh, quick uh, down elevator uh, type occurrence. So the market up escalator, down elevator. And those down elevators can be quick and sharp. Uh, any indication that they're going to take the punch bowl away? Wolfie, well, typically that's what happens is you get – we've had a historic amount of excess liquidity between the money supply growth, what the fiscal – what the government is giving households and companies, all the money that's being raised in the financial markets. That has been a, has been a historic-sized punch bowl. They're already just talking about taking away some of the excess liquidity has caused this indigestion that we've had in the broad market since really um, the late spring. So – to answer the question directly, I think some of that is already being priced into the the average stock. However, um, you know, uh, clearly it's, it's ultimately what we really want to focus on and, and investor intention and, and folks that listen to the show is over time, the most important thing for the investment in equities is the direction of earnings. That direction of earnings should remain positive for years to come. So you can get periods of indigestion. We're in one now. Uh, if they pull the punch bowl, could you get a decline? You could. But until they shut down money, like literally shut it down, Wolfie, it's very hard to make the case that you should have a sustainable drop in the market. Um, you spoke about your uh, local restaurant in the uh, Adirondacks where you vacate in the summer and spending a little more time right now in COVID season. Uh, unable to find staff, dishwashers and the likes can't be found um, because of the, I guess, CERB is what you're calling it in the United States. Uh, take that away and uh, the, all of a sudden people are going to be forced back in the labor market. But I, I read a statistic, Tony, that really caught my attention and it, it really hurt me. Uh, homelessness is something I, I, I have no time for, and I don't think any of our listeners do. It hurts me to see homelessness. And to, to, to read a statistic that 6.9 million, 6.9 million Americans are behind in their rent and without legislation, they could be forced on the streets as they are in arrears on paying their rent. Uh, so I understand Joe Biden is trying to put some legislation in to defer uh, the, the eviction notice, period. Uh, they are also speaking about taking away the survey, I think, in September. Um, so how, how does this play into uh, sentiment uh, uh, for the American economy coming into the fall? Well, it, uh, there's people that are behind in their payments because they just don't pay them because you can't evict them. 
So what the government's got to do is figure out where there's abuse of the legislation versus where this legislation mm. is impacting people that actually need a place to stay. So I think, you know, I'm not an <clears throat> expert in that. I'm not a Washington policy expert, but I don't think it's as easy and as cut and dry um, as the media would portray. There is absolutely no room in my world either for homelessness um, when we're the, the wealthiest country in the world. Um, however, many times that's not what it seems. It can be mental. Um, it can be, you know, mental illness. It can be other things that go into it. So I can't paint it as black and white, but at some point you're going to have to go back to the free market where landlords are going to be able to, for people that just simply refuse to pay rent, um, are going to be able to um, evict a tenant. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, no, there certainly is abuse of the system. We, we see it here up in Canada as well, where, where, where individual students who had part-time jobs were getting more money from the government staying at home than they were, again, quote-unquote, being a dishwasher at Eastside Mario's. Uh, so it, the abuse of the system is never helpful to anyone because, uh, again, if we stop abusing, more money to help those who truly need the help. Mental illness is a huge right. problem, and we need to continue to uh, support it and, 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 and be empathetic towards uh, mental illness. And I think uh, society Society is getting a lot better at respecting it as being a true uh, medical condition, similar to a broken arm, broken leg, uh, the likes. Um, again, you look at the the the, the earnings reports. Uh, you look at valuations, Tony, um, against an interest rate backdrop that is very very accommodating. Uh, you can still, I believe, at these levels buy this market if you're an investor. But again, Tony, if you had a, a, a bag of new money. Uh, can you help me? How would you leg it in? With, uh, again, speaking about the volatility, yet the market is quite strong. How would you leg the money in? Can you give us any guidance on that, Tony? Well, Wolfie, you're the one that's famous for saying, you know, investing is like a bar of soap. The more that you that you you know use it, the smaller it gets, right? So I think the best thing that people can do is just you know look at their own financial situation, their own income level, have somebody like you and Jack. To manage their money and actually just consistently add to it. Trying to time it on a, a one-off basis, I think, is is generally a mistake. If if I you know had money to invest right now, I'd invest a little bit and look for a little bit additional weakness in the major market indices to to add more. And I would be focused more on the cyclical areas than I would be on the defensive areas. So companies like going into the end of the year, like banks like uh, industrial-based companies, material companies, you know, copper, steel, those kind of companies. Yeah, we are looking at a number of industrial names. And again, so when you speak about the industrial sector, many of them are multinationals, Tony. Um, are you okay with that? You know, or would you prefer something that's a little bit more domestic-focused in its business model? So I'm speaking about the I'm likes okay of Honeywell 3M. You like the multinationals? I think the multinationals work because, again, if, if the entire globe is reopening, remember, part of the choppiness in economic activity over the last couple of three months has been that the global economy is going through different pockets of variants that are affecting the reopening of their economy. Once these variants are, are addressed in a more um, significant way and broad way, the entire globe is going to reopen again. And I want to be positioned for global growth, not just U.S. growth. Uh, we're speaking with Tony Dreyer. Uh, he's our chief uh, U.S. macro strategist. Uh, 
He sits on the firm's operating committee as well. Just a delight to have such talent uh, work with us at Canaccord. Again, uh, Tony helps Jack and I manage money, and he's such a partner. He truly is. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted, and I'm so pleased uh, to have him uh, on the show. We take a quick break and get right back to Tony Dreyer. First, Jack Hartle, my right-hand man, helping cue it all up today. Fine job, as always. Uh, Quick break, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio. Global News, 640 Toronto. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Stole many a man's soul Welcome back, my friends. You gonna buy tickets? going on tour poor charlie has to go in for some medical procedures so he won't be able to attend but yes the rolling stones have announced another world tour uh i share that with you because uh, ikiga is what the, the band has they love to do what they do uh you know this covid 2020 2021 has had a lot of people rethink life uh getting a little comfortable at home saying i don't necessarily need to go back downtown maybe i have enough money maybe it is time to retire uh, and I'm, I'm hearing that from, from, from many clients of ours who are in their mid to late 50s, um, which is, good golly, uh, a life-changing moment if they were to uh, pull the move and uh, could be retired for an awful long period of time. I wish all of you to be Mick Jagger. I really do, uh, to, continue, to continue to perform. And a man who I think is an absolute rock star, Mr. Tony Dwyer, he continues to perform and loves what he, do, loves what he does. Uh, and he has a few hobbies around him to keep him forced to employ some expensive hobbies. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It, it, uh, I, I have a fascination with aviation, uh, as is my friend Tony. He's a little commercial. He's a recreational pilot, shall I say. Now, as mentioned to Tony, make sure you check your pre-flight checklist before you hop in that plane this afternoon. And a good friend of ours, uh, Jack and I once went out for lunch with Stu Kedwell. Uh, he manages just $30 billion, I believe, for uh, one of the big banks. I said $30 billion. And he said, you know, uh, prior to buying a stock, I like to run a stock through a pre-flight checklist uh, to make sure it meets all of my criteria. He said the pre-flight checklist, I think it came out in and around the Second World War, where they were realizing silly errors were being made by pilots and hence causing the crash that could have been prevented had they done a pre-flight check. Uh, so whenever he purchases a stock, he runs it through his pre-flight check. Jack and I try our best to do the same thing. And uh, part of that process for us, of course, is bouncing our ideas off Tony. Um, Jack, you set up our, our good friend, Tony. Uh, let me give you the mic and throw a few uh, questions over Tony's way and uh, yeah, have some fun. Sure. Yeah. We talked about the, uh, the Robinhood IPO. And like you said, that's pretty exciting for the, the retail traders. Tony, you've seen some, some retail trading yourself over the last 18 months. But what's your perspective on, you know, how that transition has occurred? And, uh, you know, they're really trading the, the flavors of the day, the meme stocks, the, those high flyers. Um, what are you seeing now out of that space? Well, I think, uh, you know, again, I can't comment on any individual stock, as you know, Jack. But when yep. you look at the meme stocks, as it were, that happened uh, earlier this year, most of them have been slammed. So if you catch them right on the upside and you, and you, you know, that'd be great, that's great. 
But unfortunately, I think a lot of individual investors found out what I learned as an individual investor. When I try to play <laughs> momentum stocks that I don't know anything about, and I'm just doing it because they're going up, I end up getting, I end up getting hurt. Um, so honestly, that's why I have an, a financial advisor, because, of course, I want to I play the hot thing and the new thing and the exciting thing. And a lot of times, that's already going to be discounted in the price, and I'm going to end up buying it too late and getting hurt by it. Yeah, I pulled that move. Okay. Uh, it's amazing because stuff that works continues to work until it stops. And new is good. The question is uh, how much of it is no, uh, priced into the marketplace. Without question, I, Tony, am, am guilty of marking tops and marking bottoms as well. Um, well Jack, what's your opinion uh, right here of the, of the trading action on Robinhood this week? Because it, it traded sideways for a couple of days, then it popped. And uh, right now as I look at it, it's, it's retreating a little bit. It looks like there's a lot of volatility with it, Wolf. That's what I see. So there's, uh, you know, uh, they're looking for. I'm going to say it's it's a it's in the uh, the mode of price discovery right now. Meaning, I, I think that, uh, like you said, there's an IPO price, and then uh, the market actually sort of tries to figure out what it's actually worth. So um, it's trading, in my view, sort of like a meme stock, where it's very volatile, and it seems like when it pops, it it drops shortly after. Um, Tony, let, let me let me speak of another sector to you, uh, and so just going to speak sector, sector, not not company specific. Um, I don't want you to have to wear an orange jumpsuit. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, transports, the transportation stocks, Dow Theory, uh, written some 120 years ago by Charles Dow, uh, analyzed the broad market and said when the market is healthy. Um, you have companies making stuff and you have companies moving stuff. So uh, the companies that make stuff are the industrials and the companies that move the stuff to market are the transport stocks. And, and Charles Dow believed both must move in the same direction to confirm market movement. Otherwise, you have non-confirmation of trend. Uh, we are moving, as we all know in society, away from items more towards services. And part of the service equation, of course, is the transmission of information. Because we transmit so much information today, the the, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the, the dialogue, the, the du jour has been, uh, information is more powerful than, than things themselves. And therefore the new transports are the semiconductors. What has me excited, and I've been speaking about this for a number of years, Tony, is the 5G network. Verizon's advertising the bejeebies now out of it, getting new phones, uh, get on the 5G network. They're going to make it easy and seamless for people to do so. But that's, a, I think, a very empowering moment uh, in, in, in time. Uh, can you speak to that, Tony, as to just the amount of empowerment that we as individuals now have with technology and, and how that perhaps affects our investment behavior? Information has always been the premium, Wolfie. So we'd love to make it a new, you know, new item because of the speed of transmission of it, as you said. But it's always been about the information versus just um, the making things. But the thing that that's truly exciting about 5G and how quickly it came, and and I'm sure there'll be something quickly after that. Is um, and th this is hard to explain, but technology only exponentially improves itself with speed. So when you look at the industrial revolution um, early in the in the uh, 19th century. You can only make a boat go so fast or a plane carry so much. Um, with, with technology, it, it gets faster the faster it gets. So you don't have a slowdown anywhere. Just It's like the, think of the size of a semiconductor chip now versus where it was 20 years ago. It's a very different game because technology improves itself. 
It sounds like compounding wealth. It sounds like building wealth. Uh, again, you, you know, I'm, Jack and I get really excited about Tony. Is again, it's funny. It gets faster as it gets faster. Um, having clients now, and, and I'm proud to say, for 20 years, I've been in this business for 20 years. I have some lifelong or career-long clients, and to see their portfolios today uh, in excess of you know multi-million dollars and the amount of uh, net worth it, it, it creates in an average year is astounding. So much so, one of my dear friends said, Wolfie, these big numbers freak me out. I'm not used to these big numbers. I don't know how to deal with these big numbers. I really rely on you and Jack to make sense of these big numbers. And Jack, I sort of giggle, you know, three, $4 million, is that a big number today? Well, to some, it's it really, really is. Uh, so it, it's, it's an interesting form of flattery, but that is the power of compounding. Um, and again, when I have these discussions with you, uh, I'm really trying to uh, adjust the five or 10% of a portfolio. Uh, it's not the mad money portion. It, it's the variable portion that I'm trying to create some added value for with my clients, either in terms of reducing risk or adding alpha, which means excess return. Uh, and, and that's a very difficult part of the equation. Uh, Jack and I have learned over decades, if you buy good stuff, and as long as it's on trend, you, you tend to make money. Now, again, off-trend oil. You could have lost a lot of money in oil over the last 10 years without question. And even the last 20 years, the oil trade has not been great. But that's a cyclical. And those need to be respectfully traded if you're going to delve into that category. But some of the more boring stuff, I like it because you can hang on to it for such a long period. Like Google has been a 20-year trade. Apple has been a 20-year trade. Facebook since IPO. Uh, crypto, different different to kettle of fish. Tony, let's speak crypto for a bit, if we may. Again, that, that has attracted capital. Uh, it has attracted interest. It has uh, uh, allowed the counterculture a little, I don't know, might, so they self-believe. Um, what does the crypto market and the activity within the crypto market, again, tell you about the investing landscape that we're in right now? And do you think crypto fits into a investor's portfolio today, a portion of it, unlike gold or like gold? Well, so there's always a search in any new cycle for the next big thing. And clearly crypto has been considered by some to be the next big thing, and it may be. Um, it, it, I don't really have an opinion on it because I don't really understand it. I don't think, um, I think there's a hesitancy, a major hesitancy by all the global central banks to make it into a currency because it would it would um, take away the primary currency status of Japan, the United States, um, the Eurozone, Great yep. Britain, and, and that would make all the debt kind of blow up. So I don't think there's a I don't really think there's a shot that it'll be quote unquote considered a currency that could replace those. I don't think the central banks will allow that. And one way they get there is by regulating it. Um, the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission uh, Chair Gensler has been very vocal about how, trying to regulate crypto in a more um, sustainable way. So I, I just think it's a very mixed market. I don't, and I don't really have a great feel for it. And that's where you guys come into play with the people that you know hire you to manage their portfolio, look at their risk tolerance and what they're trying to achieve, and seeing if it makes sense. Yeah, well, diversity is, I think, uh, one of the saving graces uh, of a sound portfolio. Uh, uh, we placed a coin uh, into the portfolios of our growth mandate, but we have a 1% position. 
and Coin is the largest trading platform for cryptocurrencies. Uh, again, as goes the value of Bitcoin, so goes the value of Coin itself. Uh, the blockchain, uh, we, I think we all get our head around. I think blockchain is here to stay. You know, crypt individual cryptocurrencies, government regulation, I don't know how that thing plays out. Jack, what's your opinion uh, in the interest of time on, on government regulation around crypto? I think right now that the uh, central governments, as you said, central banks have a monopoly on uh, currency, and they don't like to give up uh, a monopoly like that. It, it is very powerful. It's very powerful, uh, and and the fact that the Americans, you know, can print money and Canadians do, for that uh, matter, um, and and monetize their debt uh, is very significant and uh, and very powerful in the developed markets. So I think that um, you know going through the COVID crisis, you saw a lot of interest in in cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin. I think it would, you could say it's battle-tested after that. Um, it's very difficult to actually have or build exposure in the markets uh, on crypto unless you go on to an exchange. But like you said, we own Coinbase. There's a company called Silvergate as well. It's a custodian uh, for Bitcoin. I think uh, Fidelity uh, is one of their clients. So uh, there are some key players that if you want exposure to crypto, you can without actually owning it directly in the market. Uh, Tony, uh, two quick questions for you before we let you depart and, and, and have a safe flight. Um, what really has you excited on Wall Street right now? What stands out as, gee, this is really cool. And my second part of the question is, what has you uh, losing some sleep at night? What keeps you up at night? I think what's really cool is, is the way that the global economy is all working together in the global central banks. The folks that print the money and provide the money are supporting the financial markets. Um, I think what's really good is that a lot of those cyclical stocks and industrials and materials and and financials that fund them haven't uh, had the kind of move that I think that they can have over coming years. Um, and what makes me a little bit nervous is some of the valuations of the big name stocks that are holding the indices up. So I think it's really important that we identify what market we're talking about when we talk about, quote unquote, the market, the oh. broad market or the S&P. Oh, without question, the bond market, the gold market, the copper market. Well, no, without question, right. people say, "Gee, I don't like the market." Well, which market? Uh, and that's again, you know, having a proper portfolio that has you exposed to multiple markets, which means cash, bonds. Uh, outside of Canada, all the countries, of course, equities and the likes. Uh, Tony Dwyer, I also feel blessed knowing you. You're a friend, you're a smart man, uh, and you're a good dude. So I really appreciate your time as always. Have a great weekend, Tony Dwyer. Uh, we're going to speak with Don Velo, a former uh, colleague of mine at one of the big banks. Uh, again, market uh, technician, focuses on uh, seasonality. Uh, he's also a charter market technician, a very, very well-learned uh, individual indeed. Uh, stay tuned. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. More show coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You came along and everything started to hum. Still, it's a real good bet. Best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, baby. Won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Here it comes. 
Mr. Don Velo. Indeed, good friend of mine, a veteran of Bay Street. Uh, on Bay Street, so many people just don't retire. Nor did Tony, but Tony Bennett, 95 years old. What a legend. Uh, perhaps you'll see him if you see the Rolling Stones. Maybe he'll show up on stage. I could see him do that. That'd be so cool, him and Nick. Uh, anyways, Don Velo, chartered market, market technician. Don, I thank you very kindly for spending some time with us. You obviously are a Tony Bennett fan. I'm sure you danced a few times to his cool jazz. Yeah, great music. Fantastic. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, well, thanks for spending some time with us. Um, and I also thank you for the Coles notes you sent me out uh, yesterday. Much appreciated. Um, I'm, I was a little more bearish. Uh, and I'm going to try to hang on to a bit of a slight bearish tone. I, I don't mean to be negative. I'm not. Uh, but I do have some dry powder uh, in, in all of my portfolios, roughly 8%. Um, uh, because I tend to see in accounts with, again, 20 years of experience now, um, Weakness, I, I just sense it in accounts. I, I can look at the data. Uh, I tend to see a pullback in October, September, August period. So August to in mid-October. I know our friend Brooke Thackway always wrote about that material. But in reading your notes, you, you think maybe we get a 3% pullback sometime between now mid-October, but then a rally into year-end, market making new highs by Christmas. Yeah, it's fascinating. The uh, Both U.S. and Canadian equity markets are following their historic trend during a, a just after a U.S. presidential election. Uh, historically, what happens is the market goes higher right through until the first week in August, takes a correction about normally have about 3%, and after that starts to gain momentum once again. And pretty good uh, chance that that's what's going to happen once again this year. Um, Don, what are you preferring then? You, so we get a pullback. Because uh, I need I need some help, and that's again this show is part and partial a workshop for both Jack and I and the, and our, our friends at home uh, who learn each and every week with us about building wealth because that's what it's all about. Um, what sector would you prefer to overweight? Again, you get a pullback; it'll everything will, will correct to, to some degree. Um, would you be buying the growthy tech stocks, or would you be buying the deep cyclical stocks—the oils, the coppers, the banks, the industrials? Well, it turns out there is one uh, sector. There, which uh, performs quite well, even during this period from uh, August through to October. And it's uh, one of our favorites, too. It's the Canadian bank sector. Historically, it's done very well uh, on a seasonal basis. Historically, the banks have gone up right around from now, right through until uh, the uh, end of November. And uh, it looks like we're getting set up for that once again. It has a lot to do with what's happening with earnings in that uh, sector. The banks are going to have very, very strong fiscal third quarter reports when they report the results at the end of August. So that's certainly going to help. But there's another factor. The banks are in a kind of peculiar situation. They are unable to increase their dividends or increase their, their buybacks in their shares because the Bank of Canada says, uh, we don't want you to do that right now. But once the COVID situation kind of becomes resolved in Canada, pretty good chance that the Bank of Canada is going to say, okay, uh, Bank of Can other banks, there's uh, going to be opportunity to catch up with uh, the uh, chances that you previously had, and you can expect them to announce nice increases in dividends and cash buybacks. 
Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Don, because someone else mentioned to me this week they're expecting the Canadian banks to pay special dividends. Uh, I forgot that the uh, uh, central bank here in Canada, uh, uh, our governor, uh, said to the Canadian banks that you cannot uh, raise your dividends during this uh, crisis period, uh, which means they've been building cash because their, their earnings continue to come in very, very strong. But have you heard anything about a potential special dividend, which means a dividend on top of your regular dividend that they don't have to commit to on a, a longer term basis? It's possible, and the reason is that uh, because the banks have, have not been able to raise dividends during the last uh, 18 months or so, they've had, uh, should we say, pent-up uh, excess cash that is available to buy back their shares and to increase their dividends. So there is a possibility of an extra dividend once the Bank of Canada makes its move. That's very interesting. Um, so, Don, give, give us another sector that you think, if we get a pullback, the, it would make some sense to deploy some capital in that direction. Yeah, this is kind of a strange one, but it, it's uh, been a very uh, consistent seasonal play pretty well every year at this time of year. And that's the gold sector. It's uh, currently starting to show early signs of, of recovery on the charts. On a seasonal basis, historically, the golds have done very well right from now, right through until around the third week of September. So historically, that uh, is a time when gold and gold stocks do very, very well. So that's another seasonal trade, which is starting to look very interesting right now. Um, uh, we, we own the JITX, uh, a small position, about a one, which is basically just a gold miners index. For, so for all the gold mining stocks out there, they aggregate them, uh, they create an index, and we are mirroring that index. Uh, but it's a stock that I have not purchased, I, I begrudgingly regret I didn't buy it sooner, and I'm interested in it right now. I'm curious what the chart is telling you, Don, and that's a Franco Nevada. Uh, that is a first-tier royalty, pure royalty play. Uh, so you don't, have to, you don't have as much execution risk per se. Uh, as announced is mine, they get paid a royalty, and they buy multiple royalty streams. Uh, what's your opinion of Franco Nevada, uh, uh, done? Yeah, a very interesting question. I'm just going to pull up the chart here. And, and uh, yeah, as expected, last week, Franco Nevada broke out to a new all-time high on the charts. So <laughs> technically, it looks great. Uh, looking at the volume coming in the stock, yeah, the volume is, is uh, continuing to grow. That's also a good sign of uh, people going into that sector. Uh, seasonality is very positive in for Franco Nevada right through until around the third week in, in September. Isn't that something else, Don? Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, speak with Don Velo. He's a uh, market technician. Um, he, he's an author as well, a veteran to Bay Street. A real delight to be able to spend some time with Don. Of course, Jack Hartle, my right-hand man, uh, live and in the chair for your financial well-being. It is Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. By the way, if you have any questions for Jack or I, you want to speak with us, contact us. It's at wolfgangkline.com or thewolfonbaystreet.com. More show coming up right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Oh, yes, indeed, my good friends. Hey, the days when bands would uh, go on tour and throw television sets off the balcony. That was a thing, eh? Hey, trash the room, send the bill to the accountant. Oh, rock and roll. Indeed, what a great industry it once was. Uh, it's changed. It certainly has. But the hits are the hits, my good friends, and it makes us feel good. Why not live in a mansion, eh? Uh, why not stay in hotels? Um, the hotel trade uh, and the travel trade, Don. Uh, Don Veal, of course, is a market technician. Uh, he likes to look at charts. He pays a lot of attention to the seasonal aspects of investing. Um, uh, Hilton Worldwide is a stock that I sort of have on my radar. The airline's scare me and i'm never going to talk i shouldn't say never never ever ever say never but uh, cruise ships are out of the question for now um what do you think of the hotel trade right now don of course with the we all know about reopening and the likes um do you think there's something there yeah very interesting the hotels and the airline stocks have very similar seasonality historically right around now they reach a seasonal peak but then they kind of uh, have difficulty getting into the uh, next couple of months, if following the historic trend of the uh, post-election uh, year trade in uh, U.S. equity indices. So historically, um, now is a time when the the sector does not do very well. But as you get into the fall time, to October, November, December, that's when the hotels and the airlines have positive seasonality. So it's fitting pretty well with uh, our expected strategy. The reason why it may be difficult in the short term is that there's increasing concerns about the COVID infection, and that is it's starting to increase once again, uh, a little bit here in Canada, but particularly uh, increasing in the United States, in the Far East, and also in Europe. That probably will slow down interest in the airline and hotel stocks, at least, at least during the next couple of months. So be very careful. But there could be an opportunity, say, coming into October, November this year, that once again, that sector follows its seasonal path and starts to move higher. You know, it's incredible. I'm looking at the Hilton worldwide stock uh, as we speak, and it's basically trading at an all-time high. Uh, crises, what crises? Uh, the airlines are well off their peak, but Hilton, uh, no, near its all-time high. One of the casino stocks. Uh, reported this week. I'm not sure if it was Wynn Resorts. Did you catch that uh, casino stock that reported this week, Jack? And the numbers weren't good. The stock sold off on it. I, I think it might have been Wynn Wolf, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Yeah. Um, so the airlines, uh, Don, you think pull back perhaps maybe there some capital can be deployed. I'm I'm, I'm leaning more toward the, um, towards the hotel side of thing. Uh, I think that's just a little safer trade. I will say uh, my wife and I booked some tickets for uh, Elton John's uh, Valentine show. I haven't been done to a concert uh, in years. Um, I, you know, I, I'm always becoming anti-social. I have to, I have to confess, uh, this COVID has, has really caused all of us to change the way we view the world and walk around with a mask and staying away from people. <laughs> sure. it's, it's changed all of us a little bit. Um, but I'm also looking forward to going out for lunch. I'm looking forward to sitting at a at, at, at a lunch counter, uh, speak to the bartender, having a nice panini, maybe a half glass of wine. Uh, you know, back to the way life was. But I, at the same time, I scratched my head. They're going to open up Toronto, I think, like a rat's nest. Uh, we're all going back on September 7th from zero to zero or zero to 100. Uh, that does cause me some concern. I'm not looking forward to the 7th of September. I'm already feeling uneasy about that. I don't know. I just am. It's, it's, I guess, like a kid going back to school after having a long summer vacation, but it's been a year and a half for all of us. 
Um, but in terms of pent up demand, in terms of human behavior, what's your sense, Don, uh, on the pulse out there? What do you think people really want to do? And hence, okay, how do we invest today to take advantage of it? Yeah, let's take Hilton as a good example. Uh, they just came up with their numbers and they were pretty good. And that had a positive impact on the price of the stock. It got up to a, a little over $136 uh, on that news uh, just last week. Uh, but then, like a lot of stocks, after they came out with spectacular results, yeah. stocks sold off. In fact, yeah. as of uh, Wednesday, it was down to 125 So that's a pretty draw- big drawdown. And that's expected to continue to happen. We'll have this kind of volatility and uh, kind of spiky action in stocks like Hilton between now and October. But then after uh, that, I think uh, seasonality starts to pick up on the positive side, and that'll be an opportunity once again to take a look at, at that stock. Well, you know, here's another one. I, I hear your dog barking, Don. Uh, that is your dog or is that Jack's dog? But we all have dogs, I guess, right? Is that your dog, Don, I hear? Uh, we all have dogs, that's correct. Yes, so that's your dog barking, which is cool. Um, a stock that we own and have held for years, Don, is Zoetis. ZTS is the symbol. Uh, they, they manufacture, it's a spinoff from Pfizer. Uh, so it's the pet drug uh, arm that Pfizer once had called Zoetis. Stock's done remarkably well. Could be. Well, let's, let's look at uh, ZTS. Uh, fascinating, looking at the chart. The stock, as you mentioned, has been a flamethrower, a fantastic uh, move in the stock from $141 in March up to as high as 207 uh, just a few days ago. But I, I'm guessing here that they reported their, their results probably uh, last night, and the stock immediately sold off. And uh, it went from a high of $207 to as low as 196 within a few hours. That's typical of what's happening right now. The results uh, from the second quarter uh, rings and cash flow have been fantastic, much better than expected. But a lot of these stocks, once the results are released, they're starting to sell off. That's you know, again, it is. I, what I'm going to say to that is, and, and Jack and I used to giggle because one of our fan, favorite analysts was Richard Davis, who's not with us anymore, a tech analyst, an absolute genius. I, I learned so much when I spoke to Richard. Um, but he called the fat finger to the trader who would trade in the aftermarket. Um, and so the results come out, and they don't even look at the numbers. They, they, they look at one number, whatever it may be, the top line, the bottom line, the beat, whatever it may be, and they sell on it. Honest to God, most of us aren't traders. Um, it's much easier to be an investor. The only uh, caveat with it, you got to suck up the volatility every now and then. But if you own good names, like Arzo Waitis, I mentioned to you, the stock's flirting with all-time highs. We saw that stock have periods of weakness. We stuck with the trade. Not always easy, and that's where Jack every now and then holds my hand and says, well, it's good. Hang on to it. We're going to be okay. And turn up a turn on that, on that uh, moment of confidence from Jack. Uh, if you're an investor, all these things we've been t- talking about, about gold and, and, and things like that, these are trades. These are not investment uh, situations. If you're an investor, don't let the volatility shake you out of your good uh, holdings. Yeah. I, again, it's, when I do a postmortem on the names that I sold a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I scratch my head and say, what did I do? Why did I just hold on to the trade? Managing money requires a team effort and it requires an open mind and it requires a lot of communication dialogue with brilliant people like 
Don Velo, like Jack Hartle, like Tony Dwyer. And uh, well, that's what we do. And we do it with passion. We do it with love. We do it for you, my friends. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com, any questions? I want to wish you a safe weekend. I want to wish you a fun weekend. Uh, and I want to wish you a weekend of joy and peace and love. Uh, I'm Wolfgang Klein, host of Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday, right here on Global News 640 in Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.